Father God, we just thank you for this day, O oh Father. I just pray that your anointing will be upon this place, O oh Father. I just humble myself and we just, I just give my body, soul, and spirit to you, Father God. I pray that you speak to us, O oh Father, today. I pray that you give your words, O oh Father, and that you bless your people today, O oh Father. And I just pray, O oh God, that you will just pour your new anointing, a fresh anointing on your people today, O oh God. I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, yeah, I was actually thinking, as I prepared, eight years ago, I think, was the first day coming to Life Center as a family. My children and I came here, um, and we really enjoyed the sermon on Mother's Day, and so we decided to stay here eight years ago. So <laughs> I hope it's the same for many people if you're new here today. <laughs> Um, if you don't know me, I'm a single mom. I have three wonderful children, one in university and one graduated and one in high school. I know the two girls are hiding somewhere and my son is um, watching probably online. They're, great. they're my greatest blessings in life and I would say they're my biggest cheerleaders. And every day is a Mother's Day for me with my children, so I am only grateful to God. I also have to mention my mom because my mom is a prayer warrior and has always been there for me. Especially when I needed her the most. And when I became single, she actually came from India and stayed with us for a few years and took care of my children and me when I was getting my career on, on track. Which means she had to leave my dad and come here and stay and they had to stay separated for a while for her sake. Through my ups and downs, my mom has been there for me. She never discourages or criticizes me. She believes, she always believes that I, she always believes and believed that I could make it, even when I didn't believe it. So I'm very grateful to my mom, and I know, I'm sure she's gonna be watching online today. So I'm very great, even from India, so I'm grateful. Today we are focusing on Deborah from the Book of Judges. And how many of us know Deborah? Everybody, like a lot of us know who Deborah is, right? Deborah is a prophetess, judge, a wife, the wife of Lapidoth, and her mother in Israel. But the, wife, but the Bible doesn't speak about Deborah's children, or it doesn't say that she had kids or anything like that in any historical records or in the Bible. But she was called the mother in Israel. So I truly believe this message is for everyone, not the mothers here today, but it's for all of you, even if you're not a biological parent or if you don't have any children of your own. I know for some of you, it's probably a tough time because you've recently lost your parent or it's um, or due to COVID or, or age or I don't know what's, I know the past two years has been very difficult for, for all of us. But I, when I, before even I prepared this message, my prayer was only for you, that God will bless you and God will be with you more than anyone else, more than a, the way a mother could be with us. So back to Deborah. Deborah was the fourth judge and the female judge in the Bible. Back in those days, judges didn't actually study in Harvard or go to Yale or Oxford or anything like that or have a cool TV show like Judge Judy. 
they were just judges filled with wisdom and knowledge of God's law. And they were personally, they were chosen by God. And that's how Deborah was chosen too. She was chosen by God to deliver them, to deliver the Israelites from the Canaanites. After the day of Moses and Joshua, after the days of Moses and Joshua, the new generation had actually forgotten their God and started worshiping other gods. They had become Baal worshippers and they had built altars for Baal and they had uh, started, uh, you know, like hurting themselves with swords and spears and giving their, sacrificing their blood for Baal. This really, uh, their unfaithfulness, because God had actually brought them from Egypt, and he's brought them to their promised land. But what they were doing was they were forgetting God, and they were going, to, going off and worshiping Baal and other gods. This really made God very angry. So what God did was God sold the people of Israel to the other kingdoms. And the people of Israelites, the Israelites started being crushed and they were oppressed by the other kingdoms in Israel. In their own promised land, the place that they were all, the, the place of milk and honey, the place that they all wanted to come out. They were out, but they were crushed and oppressed by the kings. If you see in Judges 4, 1 and 2, it says, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after he had died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazer. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hereshith Hogayim. So the people of Israel again did what was evil. You know, like they would... Every time they, uh, God would save them from the evil kings, they would just go and worship God and all that stuff. And then when they got very comfortable, they would go back and build all these altars and they went back to Baal worshiping because there they can actually do prostitution at the altars and they could do all kinds of sins that they wanted to do. So they would keep going back and then God felt, and then what happens is as soon as God's hand was lifted from their lives, immediately there would be another king that would come in. And he would take over and he would start and crush, crushing them. And then they would run to God and they would say, God, please redeem us. Please save us one more time. And God did it again. And God raised the judges. And that's how Deborah was a fourth judge. So again, after each judge, they would go back again and again and again and say, God, please deliver us. And God would deliver them. The new generation had actually forgotten what God had done for them. And that's why God sold them. We see the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. It's, it may sound strange to us that uh, the God Almighty would sell his people to an evil king. But these were the people that God actually saved them from the hands of Pharaoh. If we all remember, God actually saved them from the ten plagues. God saved them from the Red Sea. They walked on dry, dry ground. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were actually drowned in the Red Sea. He provided manna and quail. The Lord went before them by pillar of cloud and pillar of fire at night. 
When the Israelites walked around the wall of Jericho for seven days, God made the walls collapse. God made the sun and the moon stand still so that Joshua and his army can continue to fight. These were not ordinary miracles. These were supernatural miracles that God did. Even when Jesus came to this earth and he did, he took two lo five loaves and two fishes and he multiplied and he fed the 5,000 people. They were like, thank you God for this food, but can you bring something, do something like a big sign and bring us food from heavens? They were not happy with what Jesus was doing because th these were great miracles that God did for them. So these people, but they forgot. The new generation kept forgetting and running back and running, going, and going back and forth. And that's why what happened was God sold them into the hands of the king, Canaanite king. If you see in Judges 4.3, it says, And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he, who's Caesarea, had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Caesarea had 900 iron chariots. One is similar to, one iron chariot is like a cannon these days. Imagine having 900 iron chariots when the Israelites didn't have nothing. Because they were oppressed for 20 years. So the Caesarea kept oppressing them. Imagine watching their people in the streets. Every time they walk on the streets, they see their family or people being killed because this man wanted to oppress them. And the people, what's really funny or weird is, it took them 20 years. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord after 20 years. They were oppressed for 20 years. How many of us, when we are being crushed, we run to God right away. We immediately go learn how to make cinnamon rolls or buy flour from the grocery store. I know what happens when the pandemic hits. Toilet rolls are in big demand. Right? In my own life, I didn't cry out to God when I needed him the most. I was saved actually in my teenage years. I went to Bible school. I was baptized three times. How many of you have been baptized three times? <laughs> three times. Like one was not enough. Two was not enough. I was like, God, please, please, I need to. Right? But when I was physically, verbally, emotionally, and financially abused by my ex-husband, I didn't cry out to God right away. I just numb my pain with the things that I could find. How many of us do retail therapy, right? That's exactly what I did. I just ran to the stores and I would buy clothes for months and just try to dress myself up hoping he would like me more. And then I just went in another shopping spree and got a lot of gold accessories. And that didn't work. I was not able to get his attention. And then I would go and buy different kinds of shoes. I remember going to the store and buying like 10 or 11 shoes one day. Now I can't even go find the proper one that fits me and it's comfortable. I can't wear heels anymore. I can't wear, it's like, okay, my kids are just get tired of buying shoes for me. Um, 
And again, after the money ran out, I, I went and watched movies. Indian movies are three hours, right? And I'm going to outdate myself by saying we had, I used to go rent these DVDs and VHS and everything and watch four to five movies every day. And finally, one, the day the, the store owner said, I don't have any more new movies for you. You watched everything in the store. And then sports season came. It's not like basketball, you play for a few hours and you go. We have cricket test matches, which is like full-time job, morning to evening. From one country to another, they keep playing and they keep playing and they keep playing and that's what I did. It was sports season. I'm not a sports person. If you talk to me about hockey or you talk to me about any sports, I won't know what you're talking about. And I didn't care about cricket until then. And I don't watch it now. But I had to numb my pain. So I went and watched all these kind of sports. I kept thinking, you know, I could handle this situation. This is all, this is all gonna go away. And then for a time I would go and argue with them. Every day when he came home, I would argue the things that I did right and the things that he did wrong. He fell into adultery, so there was lots to say what he did wrong. And there were other, and then for a time I would stand and cry and cry and cry. And that didn't work either. And finally I said, God, this is enough. And I didn't even tell my parents for a long time. My siblings didn't know what was happening to me because I, again, thought I can handle it. But then I said to God, okay, God, now I surrender. Now I'm going to cry out to you and I'm going to give everything to you. And that's exactly what I did. I got on my knees and I fasted and I prayed and I humbled myself and asked God to cleanse me. And I cried out, and I cried out, and I cried out to God. And he delivered my children and me. And we came to Canada. And you know what? Every tear that you cry, not one is wasted. David says, you have kept count of my tossings, but put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You've kept count of my tossings? Some of some uh, the versions say sorrow. I like this tossings because I toss in my bed at night so many times. And I think no one's watching. But guess who's counting my tossings? Guess who's counting your tossings? Guess who's, who has your tears in his bottle? God has it. No matter what, how many times or where you cried and you thought people didn't see it, you were probably crying in your car or at your bedside thinking, no one has seen my tears. Or God, are you really watching my tears? But God is putting it into his bottle. And that's exactly what the Israelites did. They were crying and God was collecting their tears in his bottle. 
and he delivered them. He's not a God who just counts. He's not an accountant who does debit and credit and how many times they cry. He's taking it all and he's the God who delivers us. And that's exactly what he did. He delivered the nation of Israel with Deborah. We read in Judges chapter 5, verse 6, 7. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the, way, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the bylaws. Oh, sorry, to the byways. The highways were abandoned and travelers kept to, kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. The times were difficult for the Israelites. You know, their, their, time, this, their times where they couldn't actually go in their highways and their byways. They were all had to hide. They had to hide from Sisera. They had to hide from the, from the commander. This reminds me of our times. A couple of years ago, if you are just when the pandemic hit, there was no one in the highways. We couldn't even come to churches. We couldn't go and see our grandparents or parents at the long-term cares. Everything was abandoned. When we were all stuck in our houses, we can't have families anymore, no more get-togethers. We were all, like, cooped up. And that's what, that was what was happening to the Israelites. But they were probably even more terrified in their own promised land that God had promised, they did not have the freedom to come out and walk in the byways. And at a time like that, what happens? I, Deborah, arose. She arose like a mother in Israel. And she did not have kids. You have to remember that. So you can say, oh, I'm not a mother. I can't rise up. But we don't know if she had kids. So if it's a man or a woman, if you're here right now, God is calling you to rise up. Deborah arose for her nation like a mother in Israel with a heart full of love for her children. Pure selfless love with heart to serve and to stand up for her children like a lioness, a person who was willing to break traditions at a time where only men were allowed to be leaders, Deborah became a judge and she arose for her nation. I don't know where God is asking you to rise from. There's a sin that you may need to rise from today. There's a group of so-called friends that you may have to leave. There are things that you're watching that you shouldn't be watching. There's an addiction that you probably need to leave today. The devil is a liar and I'm sure he's saying, telling you or you're telling yourself that I can't rise up. I can't forgive this person. I can't stop watching these shows. I can't stop doing the things that I'm doing in secret. It keeps coming back to me. 
It keeps haunting me in the darkness. But God is telling you to rise up. I don't know if the battle is inside or outside of you today. But it's time for us to rise up for our nation. The days are gone when we had to rise up just for our children. Now the days have become that we, have, we need to rise up for our children's children and their children. And that it's time for us to rise up for our communities. It's time for us to rise up for our nations and pray, and which means we need to get up. We need to leave some stuff and we need to get up from that place. The name Deborah is very special to me. During my crushing, my third child was born, and I named her Angelina Deborah. God promised me hope and victory in the midst of my persecution. When I had no hope in my life, God gave me a beautiful angel in my hands. I'm so grateful to God for my very own Deborah. At a time when I thought I will never rise up, at a time when I thought I, I had no hope in my life, God gave me my own Deborah. Before I embarrass her even more and she hides under the chair, <laughs> let's go back to the Deborah in the Bible. We see in Judges 4-5, she used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She had her own palm tree. How cool is that? She sat under that and she judged. They named, her, they named the palm tree after Deborah. I can imagine her sitting under the tree in all of God's glory and judging the people of Israel. She didn't have a throne or a spear or a sword or she didn't have a crown. She was, she was not the warrior princess that one would imagine. But she sat there with God's anointing. She was a prophetess, so she, how does that happen? She had to sit hours in God's word and she probably meditated in his word and she just spent time with God and she prayed and interceded for her people. This anointing for her, if she had sat in her house, it would have been an anointing for her, for herself and for her family. But when she came under the palm tree, the anointing was for her that flowed through and went to the nation of Israel. This palm tree is very significant in the Bible. It says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Palm trees have a firm foundation. If you didn't know about palm trees, they have a lot of small, small roots that spread out on the top layer of the ground. And then there are deep roots which go underground that holds on to the soil more and more and makes it a very solid base. That's why it has a firm foundation. And not only that, the palm trees are very flexible. Unlike other trees, they can withstand tornadoes and storms. When strong winds hit the palm tree, the root system is actually not weakened, but it gets strengthened. 
it gets strengthened by these storms. The palm tree, the, for the like, uh, the palm tree may be bent so far that you may look at it and think, "Oh, it's almost touching the ground and it's great and it's going to break," but the palm tree actually bounces right back. That's how flexible a tree can be. Just like many of us here, I know we, for the past few years, a lot of us have had tornadoes and storms hit our lives. It may feel like we have literally bent down. We can't handle our pain anymore. We can't handle our stresses anymore. We can't handle our depressions. We are not able to control it anymore. Because everything we had, we've lost the past two years. So many of us has lost, have lost a parent. A few of us have lost a children, a child. Some people have lost their houses, and some have lost their jobs. Some have lost their businesses. Your savings, and you've probably lost yourself. And, and, and you feel like there's no help. And the devil is looking at you and going, ah, I finally got her. I finally got him. At the end of this, at this end of this pandemic, he's finally going to break. I've tried so many years. And this is, this is it. When I took his house away from him, or when I took her job away from her, this is it. This is when this person is going to break. But for the past two years, God has always been there with you, no matter what or what you've been through. The devil could say, this is the end of you. But we can look at the devil today and say, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. No matter what your situation is, you can rise up today. No matter what addiction is holding on to today, you can actually rise up from that situation. As Deborah sat under the palm of, De palm of Deborah, one day she summons the Israelite commander. So Caesarea is the one, the Canaanite commander, and he was attacking them. But she calls the Israelite commander and says, I want you to go and fight against the Canaanites. And he says to her in Judges 4, 8, 9, he says, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. That then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak refused to go without her. A lot of scholars say, you know what? Uh, Barak is such a chicken, he wouldn't go by himself. He should have gone. He's the commander. What the heck? Why wouldn't he go? But I don't blame the man. He had only 10,000 people to go with him. And only of the 12 tribes of 
Israel, only two tribes came. So if you calculated the remaining 10 tribes, he would have had easily had 60,000 people or if more showed up, he could have had 100,000. But he didn't have the people who could go with him. And Sisera had 900 chariots. Even when Moses was coming and bringing the people out during the mass exodus and they were walking through the Red Sea, Pharaoh had 600 chariots. But now it's 900 chariots. So he knew only if Deborah went, he could go. And she had no excuses. She's like, yep, I'll surely go with you. She was not a superhero or she was not, she was nothing big. She could have said, you know what, I'm just a uh, uh, woman. I'm just a wife of Lapidoth. I need to go home and do the dishes or clean the house or, I don't know, feed the cattle. I'm a judge. If I'm not here, who's going to lead these people, these Israelites? They really need help. No, I would have given her a few more excuses too. This Barak is actually going to take you to the battle and kill you. Like, be careful. Don't go. But she goes. She rises up and she goes. Because she knew who was with her and whom she was in God. Something that, I recently, that recently gripped me when I was reading the Gospels was when Jesus was tempted by the devil. I've read it so many times and I've learned about the different temptations, about the egoism and the materialism and all that stuff that Jesus was tempted before he started his ministry. The devil asked Jesus, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. How many times I've read it. But when I last time when I read it, it just gripped my heart and my heart was so heavy. Because the devil, we actually say, if you're the son of God, God command the stone to become bread. But that's not how the devil would said it. He said, if you are the son of God. He challenged the very identity of Jesus before he started his ministry. And that's exactly what the devil is going to do to you. If you can win that battle, you can live your life for Christ. If you can win the battle of knowing who you are, you're not actually going to be able to go and do your ministry. But that's the first thing the devil attacks if he can attack the son of the utmost high, who are we? He's going to come. And what is he whispering in our ears today? He's going to say, are you, like, who are you? And what are we going to tell him? Uh, I'm just a single woman, I know, you know. I'm just a housekeeper, a homekeeper, I don't know what you are. I'm just a business person, like, I'm not the CEO of the company, I'm just an executive assistant. He gets 300, I guess 30, <laughs> right? But Jesus sees you the way you are, and he wants you the way you are. And Deborah knew who she was in God. That's why she didn't give any excuses. Like when Pastor Terry asked me, like, can you 
uh, share the message on Mother's Day. I was like, yes, praise God, I'm honored to do this. And I'm thinking 100 times, what have I done to myself? How do I say no to him? Can I give him a really good excuse? I don't mind COVID this time, God. You know, it's we are waiting to give excuses because we don't know who we are. But Deborah didn't have any excuses. Even Moses had excuse. He said, who am I, Lord? You know, I'm very slow of speech and tongue and all that stuff. Gideon said, please, Lord, how can I go? She could have easily told Barak, you know what? I don't know how to fight. I'm not a superhero. Like, I can't come and do anything for you. What am I going to do? When the other people walked, because the Israelites didn't have chariots, when they walked, she has to walk too. When I was actually preparing for this message, I asked my oldest daughter to read this and say, you know what, give me some feedback. She read it and she goes, what? Mom, Deborah has nothing cool to do. Like, what is she doing? What is this? What are you going to talk on? I'm like... These kids watch too many Marvel movies nowadays. <laughs> she didn't have any weapons. Honestly, she had nothing. But when she arose, Barak knew God would go with her. And when she arose, the battle will be won by God, and God was going to fight the battle. She didn't have to go and take a weapon and fight and do anything like that. She just had to walk into the battleground. Imagine her walking and she, just imagine the site where there's, I don't know, chariots coming there and they're all coming in their big glory and their weapons and you can hear the sound of the weapons. But the Israelites are like going like, yeah, we have nothing in our hands. Let's just walk to the battleground. But he knew if Deborah went, God would fight the battle. And that's exactly what happened. If you read um, how God defeated um, the uh, Canaanites, you can see in Judges chapter 5, verses 20 to 21. We see that Deborah sings about this. She's also a singer. It's not enough for her to be a judge and a prophetess. And a, you know, she's also a singer. So she sings. She says, for heaven, from heaven... The stars fought. She didn't have a weapon to fight. She was no superhero. But when she went there, the stars fought for her. From heaven, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Kishon is actually a river. So what had actually could have happened is, I, I don't know if, how stars can fight from heaven. I'm thinking probably angels came down and fought for them. Right? It was a spiritual battle. It was not a battle that could have been won by men. It was not a battle for her to win. It was a battle that God was going to win for Deborah. And... 
you see the Kishon River. So they got swept away by the Kishon River. No one actually pays attention to this because just like God drowned the people on the Red Sea, like Pharaoh's army, he's drowning these people on the Kishon River. So that's how these people finally got defeated. It was a battle that God fought with his stars and the Kishon River that he drowned these 900 chariots. And then we see Sisera ran by foot. Imagine him coming on his chariots with a, like a powerful warrior to the battlefield. And then he runs and he flees the place. And he runs into the tent of jail, another woman, to hide from the Israelites. We read that jail welcomed him and gave him shelter. And he finally lays down. And when he lays down and he sleeps, she takes the tent peg, a hammer in her hand, and drives the pig on his temple and kills him. We see the battle ended because two women arose to the situation. God gave the Israelites victory through the hands of these women. When we read the beginning of the chapter, we saw that God actually... Um, gave, sold them into the hands of Jabin the king. And then finally, God, Deborah says, you know what? God will deliver the, Israelite, the Canaanites to, into your hands. And he's like, no, it's okay. I don't want it. You go with me. And finally, God delivers the Israelites from the hands of these two women. How many of us are waiting for God to actually do something today? But you know what? In fact, God is probably waiting for you to rise up. We're thinking, oh, God needs to move something. God needs to do something in my life. But God is ready to do something in your life as long as you are ready to rise up. For some, of it may, for some of us, maybe it's from the, I don't know, from the addictions or any other dirty place that the devil has probably taken us in secret. For some people, it could be a time where we have to pray for our, our families. We need to pray for God to give our family, our generations into our hands. We've lost, devil. the devil has taken too many things out of our hands. Especially in this pandemic, every person I meet, they have a loss. In the past two years, you've lost a lot of things. But God is willing to give it back to you. All that you need to do is put your hand up or you put your hand like that. Because we don't have chariots and weapons and all that stuff. I hope you don't have a 10 peg and a hammer too in your house. It's not going to be easy for us to rise up. Even Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, God, if it's your will, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Even for Jesus, it was hard for him to raise up. But he did. He walked and he died. He went, he got on the cross 
and he died for each and every one of us. But we need to rise up. We need to rise up from our situations. We need to rise up from all the dirty stuff that the devil is probably trying to trap us. And we need to rise up for our nation. We need to rise up for our family. I want to pray and finish up today. But I want you to rise up today and pray with me. If you can all stand and we can all pray. And ask God whatever he's given to you. Just ask God to give it back to you today in your hands. It could be your child. The child that you've been inviting for to church for too many years. And they don't want to come to church. They don't want to accept Christ. Maybe it's time for us to bring our family prayers back in our houses. Maybe it's time to fast and pray for our children. Maybe it's time to cry out to God and ask him to deliver us from our addictions. But you know what? If it's in your hand, you're the one who's going to have to throw it out. Or if you have some kind of addiction, you're going to have to throw it out. There was a difference when Deborah arose and went to the battleground. She could have sat under that palm tree. She could have absolutely sat under the palm tree. Would have been very comfortable and windy and really good. But she went, walked to the battleground and God walked with her. Today, if you are willing to walk, God is ready to walk with you and give what you lost and he's ready to give it back into your hands let's pray father god we just praise you and we thank you god we thank you because you are almighty god oh father we thank you because god you are a god who never leaves us nor forsakes us oh father god you said, I will go with you. Be strong and courageous for I will go with you wherever you go. God, today we want to rise up from our situations. We want to rise up from our sins, oh Father. I pray, oh Father, whatever we've lost, I pray that you deliver it into our hands. We thank you for each and every mother that's here, oh Father the love that they've poured in our community, the love that they've poured into our lives, oh Father. We honor them today and we thank them, oh God. And we praise you, oh Father, for what you're doing in our lives today, oh Father, with these mothers. And we also thank you for all the men, oh Father God, that are supporting them today. And there are probably a few people who don't know you today, oh God. I pray, oh Father, that you bless them and you redeem them and you save them through your precious blood, oh God. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.